and songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to John and Scott of Colorfields over Zoom video. John and Scott talked about growing up in Connecticut and how they got into music. Scott has been playing the piano since he was two years old. Uh, his dad's a musician, so he really, really took to, to music and, and keyboards as where John didn't pick up guitar or keys until he was almost out of high school. Years later, they ended up meeting each other, even though they lived fairly close growing up. Didn't meet each other until, I think, after college. Um, they formed a band together that wasn't Colored Fields with another member. That member left, and they decided to start a brand new project. And that's how Color Fields was born. They'll tell you all about it in the interview. And you should check out their brand new EP. It's called Pendulum. And check out the video interview with myself, Scott, and John on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Color Fields. Thank you guys for doing this again. Uh, our podcast is all about your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. And of course, starting Color Fields and uh, your new, the new EP you guys put out. Cool. Awesome. Sweet. So um, where are you guys from originally, both of you? We're both born, Scott, you were born in Bridgeport too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're both, both from Connecticut. Born and raised uh, in, in Bridgeport. Um, and I, we both live here now. So we're both uh, long haulers here in the Bridgeport community. Did you guys know each other growing up, like high school together or anything like that? No. No, but Scott, oh. Scott, uh, so my family had this little cafe market called Star Market in Scott's neighborhood where he grew up. And uh -huh. I, I was down the street, sort of, a, sort of a, you know, neighborhood right next door. But uh, Scott tells stories about his mom and, or dad would walk him down and they'd go get candy or, or food over there. And I was probably nine years old working the, the register. Uh, so <laughs> we probably met, but we didn't realize it. That's awesome. Well, uh, tell me how you got into music. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a musical family. My dad is a musician and oh, cool. I didn't really have, you know, much of a choice at starting. <laughs> I, um, he had band rehearsals at his house on Tuesdays. I was born on a Wednesday. So by six days in, I'd had my hands held up to a keyboard at least. Dad wow. Started lessons when I was two and I've been playing my whole life. Two years old, you started lessons? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. How did they get a two-year-old to like follow along and play? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure uh, not very much, but they say <laughs> when you're, when you're at that age, anything that you do pick up, you, you soak up like a sponge, but sure. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Okay. So you're, you said your dad's a musician. He's in a, he's in uh bands that he tore and, and everything. Did you get a chance to see yeah. that? Yeah. He's, he's got, he's had his own band for a long time. Um, and they, he plays mostly jazz music and, mm -hmm. uh, grew up with that in the house and Tuesday nights he'd have his friends over and um, would go down and play with them. That's cool. That's really cool. How about you, John? How'd you get into music? Yeah, I did. Uh, I didn't, I don't come from a musical family at all. Um, I think my mom had some piano lessons when she was a young girl, but she never stayed with it. And so I, it didn't really, it wasn't part of the culture of our family at all. Whereas like sports was really, you know, that was what we were to sports and academics. So that's what, my focus was until one day uh, my sister was getting piano lessons uh, and everybody knew she was getting piano lessons, but it was kind of like, uh, you know, it just didn't seem like it was available to me. And mm -hmm. as I was listening to her take her piano lessons, I kept kind of like poking my head in and, 
and, and, and watching and my parents were like, would, would you like piano lessons, John? And I was like, I think I would. So I did like six months of piano lessons and then I uh, just heard some, I don't know, like guitar-based music that I was like, wait, can I also play guitar? It just didn't seem like it was even an option for me. So once it became sure. an option, I just started to really gravitate towards it and my whole life just shifted. I didn't quit sports, but I totally lost my any drive I had for it and started to just practice and practice and practice. So that was when I was about 16, 17. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that's okay. my origin. Very cool. Yeah. And then from, from learning piano and, and guitar, did you start a band or anything like that at, at that early age? I tried bands all through, you know, I started bands all through college. I did a lot of like goofy songwriting in high school. That was just like songs that were called like the squirrel song, for example, it was my first composition, um, <laughs> but I, like stuff like that. But then by the time after college, I really decided, I, I actually went to school for art. So I'm a, I'm a trained studio art major and graphic oh, cool. kind of thing. So um, do, you, do, you, out, do you do the art for your guys' website and everything? Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's that's rad. I love it. Yeah, I did our logo and our merch and our uh, album art and stuff and yeah, yeah. All the video stuff. Oh, sick. Okay, cool. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> okay. But then I, um, you know, I, I did. I was sort of always wanting to to start, you know, bands. I started one in college. It was terrible. Uh, not not terrible, but we were we were just having fun. And then after college, I sort of bounced around into different projects. I then started a band called Ocasius, which was my first like serious band with my friend Meredith Mena. Uh, and then Scott actually joined that band and that band sort of fizzled out. But Scott and I were like, well, why don't we go do something? So that's oh, okay. sort of got started. Well, how about you, Scott? How did you, like, what were you up to after, obviously you've been playing, you said since you're two years old, um, were you in bands? Did you play in the school band or? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I started playing with friends uh, that I would meet through school music stuff uh, in middle school. I, I would get together with some guys and that was like maybe the most disjointed thing, like where we had all like you're, we all like music, but one person wants to play Dream Theater. One person wants to play Our Lady Peace. And oh, OK, I, all over the map. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. By high school, I was playing uh, with a um, with friends of mine. We had like an instrumental, like a, pretty much a jam band, which wasn't mm -hmm. it's not really my uh, chosen style of music, but it was fun. And I, I played in a bunch of bands since then. And mm -hmm. it's always been something that I'm interested in. And then with with that, how did you meet John and join the the band that fizzled out? And then obviously you guys kept going along with with color fields. Well, we had a mutual friend, uh, guitar player named Dave Porter, who's him and I would play like neo soul music together. And like um, he knew John and John was looking for a keyboard player for his original music at the time, which was not Ocasius, I don't think it was. Um, three, just, days, three days Ocasius, actually. Yeah, and so that's how we met. Um, he, I came over to his apartment at the time. He sent me some stuff on SoundCloud, and we just talked, and we started playing music ever since then. Oh, wow. And with Ocasius, you said, was the first band that you played together in? Yeah, it was like he – so Scott is right. He pre, our, our meeting predates that, but that was 2000 and oh man, 12 was when Ocasius started. So, man, Scott and I must have met around 2011 – 
Um, and then I started this band with my friend Meredith, which was more of like our two styles converging rather than just like what I would naturally do. Mm -hmm. So um, that wasn't necessarily, that was more of a duo thing, just her on like, you know, glockenspiel and the acoustic guitar and slowly that sort of took my sort of vision started to take over a little bit more with you know with the instrumentation which is when i tapped scott to go mm -hmm. into that band but yeah that was that's pretty much the timeline wow that's awesome and with um scott i know you've probably played recitals and all that like for years like growing up was that kind of like your first experience with playing live music in front of somebody uh, recitals yeah uh, like piano recitals and so, i would imagine at like four or five that's kind of what you'd you start yeah, with it was, it was definitely more getting dragged to gigs with my dad it was oh really yeah uh, yeah very very young age it was you know you uh, not exactly a paid member of the band but there nonetheless uh i, wow. I would be out and, you know playing playing uh yeah very young yeah. so so you uh, would get on stage and play with your dad's band that young oh yeah I would say, I don't know, seven, eight years old, probably. Oh my gosh. Wow. That, that would probably be like, he would have another keyboard player and I would come up and play a song or two, but, then but still that, to be I, able to do that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that's, much longer where I would take the night. That's cool. What about you, John? What was the first experience you had playing in front of people? Man, I guess it would have been the open mic at the acoustic cafe in, in uh, black rock, which is a club. Uh, opened up in like man like 99 okay. yeah 99 so I was uh I don't know I thought I was 16 when it opened but oh wait that that is 16 I was 16 that's right so yeah it was when I was in high school and I was just trying you know there was such a scene in Bridgeport at the time so many musicians more in the style in that typical sort of 90s um like Ani DeFranco kind of mm -hmm. kind of realm sort of like rootsy acoustic driven passionate uh you know lots of lyrics there was a, it was a big scene like that and and so i was very in, um, influenced by that by a lot of players around here like darian cunning larissa di lorenzo um, and others and anyway so i would go to the open mic night and every now and then get up the courage to go up there and play horribly but you know like <laughs> it was so it was you know you have to do that at some point you have to just suck really badly um and that that was actually a long period of my career was sucking very badly <laughs> because I, and i think part of it is because i started so late so not only did i not have like the performance uh element the actual how to how to be on stage but i also didn't really have the chops mm -hmm. so um everything sort of got delayed for me uh it wasn't until i was like 23 24 until i was really like feeling like i was playing prop music properly so have you have you guys had a chance to tour at all no obviously covid sort of put a huge damper on that <laughs> yeah. we, would have, we would have ideally been touring we'd probably be on tour right now and if if everything was uh not you know as it is but um i hope that this coming summer slash fall into next winter we, we can definitely do some touring that's awesome that's really cool and then so is this the ep that you just put out as the first uh yes bit of music you guys have released right yeah wow so well, talk to me about the recording uh well scott and i were working on these songs for a long time some of them anyway um in our own studio in bridgeport here and um we were kind of like not really sure where to go with them we didn't have necessarily a name or anything like that and then one day we were play opening for a friend of ours uh the alternate roots we were opening for them at fairfield theater company and a, a guy saw us and was like i want to help you um 
and he sort of helped to fund our project and we were able to record with some really amazing people. Um, and we took those wow. recordings to uh, work with Jerry Wanda and, and he was in Manhattan partially in Times Square. Then he went to Tribeca uh, and we worked with Peter Cadis, who's actually here in Bridgeport. Um, and that, yeah, that's kind of it. When Scott and I, we, we write all of our songs over at our studio uh, at the Nest and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Wow. Well, tell me, so you said you guys played a show, you opened up for somebody and then some guy in the crowd was like, Hey, I want to fund your, your project. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, he, so he's like, yeah, I've got money. I'm just going to throw it at you guys. Like, I don't, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's like having a label kind of, um, and mm -hmm. yeah, Scott, is you want to like managing you? Yeah. Tell me, tell me about this. No, no, just that's that's we've been very lucky to 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 get involved with him, and uh, that's allowed us to definitely up our you know initial budget that we had to spend quite a bit, and um, yeah, that that's just really allowed us to work with some great people and not uh, have to go a more traditional route in that way. But it's it's been great. Wow! Like and working with uh, Peter. Cadis and Jerry Wonder, uh, both of them are like Grammy award-winning producers. This was, was am amazing. Right. How, how did, how much did they like, in, like were the, was this, the, were the songs kind of already there and they took it to the next level? Like what, what did they bring to the table for you? So there's seven songs on the EP and I would say there's only one that we put on there that kind of, that was self-produced. That was like the last one we had done. Mm -hmm. um, the other six, we we did like you know I we fancy ourselves uh, producers and that that sort of things as well. So we they were pretty far along, and we had also like been working on, on them on different incarnations, and so they definitely got shaped, uh, and some more than others. But but we we came forward with a pretty well crafted product already. I would say that's cool. Wow, I, I was just looking at Jerry Wanda's like discography he did the carnival that's crazy I, I, that record is my high school i mean <laughs> I, I looked at that record so many times it's so oh fun. my gosh same here like i just like wait what that's that is that's crazy that's so cool well listen listen to um home home what is it uh gone till november uh-huh listen to that song uh later and uh just keep keep in mind that jerry produced it Okay, I will. I will have to do that. That's that's awesome. So they, you had the song. You said the songs were pretty well put together, and they just kind of helped take it to the next level. Is that what you're saying, uh, yeah, Scott? Take it to the next level, like with working with Jerry. Like some of the songs, like he had, like some of the songs definitely got overhauled pretty, like pretty significantly, and others are closer to where they started out at. Like something like Animal, like we, the structure of the song is pretty similar. Like Jerry was uh, just definitely. We had a, li a little bit more of a live drum element. He really got in there and added some great programmed elements and mm -hmm. just really gave it kind of his, put his sound on it. So he produced what, a portion of the record and then Peter produced the other portion of it or were they both working simultaneously on the album? So Jerry did four and Peter did two of the songs. And how did that, like, was there a reason why you decided to go with him for the other two songs? They just didn't fit in uh, Jerry's wheelhouse or it was just done that way? Um, there, I think they, when, when listening to the songs before they went in, you know, before we went into any studio, we were like, these just feel like they would benefit so 
enormously from Peter's sort of wheelhouse. So though that ships in the dark and wide enough are the Peter Cadis tracks. And um, yeah, it just, it was also kind of like a dream to work with Peter. It's like the story was there. He, he lives four blocks, or the studio is four blocks away from my house. So I could, oh, wow. I could leave my door two minutes before, you know, <laughs> I could cartwheel there and I would still be on top. <laughs> so um, there was, but that's really, that's not the point. The point is that he's just, he's a legend around here. Um, and I was really excited to, that we had the opportunity to work for, with him and he was available and interested in like the tunes. So it was just, you know, it just kind of fit. Um, and we really have, I mean, a lot of uh, our sound is so much of, the two of our distinct styles sort of coming together. Mm -hmm. um, and some songs it's more, you can sort of feel more John, some songs you can feel more Scott, some songs are like very much a, a, a mind meld of both of them. Um, so we're still, I mean, we're, we're a new group and we're still writing now. So as we continue to write, it's continuing to come more, get more and more developed who we are. Mm -hmm. So um, it didn't really necessarily feel like we needed to work with one producer. Um, for, you know, at minimum because of that. But mm -hmm. we also wanted to get different flavors on this to show like the different directions we like to go, the different sounds we like to use, the different timbres we like to use, um, our different influences, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I was gonna ask you guys, you, you mentioned COVID earlier when you said, when I asked about touring and you're like, well, you know, COVID. Where were you guys at when, when that all kind of hit and, and shut down everything was the record complete were you recording the album at that time were you like talk to me about that yeah we were in the middle of like not quite the very ending stages but like getting close and like yeah that was the album wound up coming out in september 18th mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know the world was crazy in march and uh, right so we, did you finish the record during like how did yeah. you guys finish it even like getting mastered, like getting mastered files from Midtown Manhattan became a thing that took more effort and time. And uh, it was, yeah, it was. And then I, I would say the most uh, COVID appropriate story is um, our last song that we put on the album that we self-produced, uh, Summertime. We were like, we were just continuing to write and we, we weren't really sure where it was going to go, but we we wrote something that we felt pretty good about and we got good reception at from our last live show that we had done before everything went crazy. Mm -hmm. and, um, we pretty much finished uh, production and songwriting on that song over Zoom calls, just like the one we're on now. Oh, wow. You know, we had our audio interfaces as devices on Zoom and we were like sending music back and forth and we even like the the bass and drum tracks. We were working with two friends of ours who helped us record that part of it. Uh huh. And, uh, we did that all through remote collaboration. Like we finished that whole song, producing, songwriting, and everything just entirely through Zoom. We That's uh, crazy. Had a, did all the mix sec uh, sessions with a guy through Soundbetter uh, entirely remotely. So that was wow. Uh, very uh, COVID experience there. Yeah, cutting edge recording. That's crazy. Um, well, oh my gosh, had you? I'm, that must have been your first experience writing over video oh, yeah. call. Yeah. <laughs> How much different is that? Oh, it's it's kind of bizarre because like you know, there's there's definitely a certain sense of immediacy of like, I'm gonna play a chord and you're gonna react to it or vice versa. Like, and it's just right there in the room. 
And so you lose a little bit of that, but you just have to like, you know, I, you, the desire to still have that, that creative expression is still so much there that like, even if it's not the perfect method of doing it, you just got to come up with something. But we've even refined that method a little bit. We've got some other stuff going on, you know, some other great programs that allow you to send music over the internet. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's weird. It's a little bit more like passing things back and forth than immediate collaboration, but it, it's, it's still has its merits and it's, it's still good. Yeah, because of the latency issue or something with, is that why you, you can't really play together, right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I, I couldn't be like, here, I'm going to play it. You try singing along with it. It'll just be like, it'll, yeah. That's funny. I Yeah, it, it seems like I've I've seen that. You know the band Pup? I don't know if you know who they are. They're like a punk band. They did like a like because all in the beginning of COVID, everybody was putting out those like live Zoom videos that were obviously all pre-recorded and pre-produced. And yep. they and people were I remember people were talking about like, oh, this is fake, blah, blah, blah. So they put out a video. I think it's still on YouTube of them playing all together at the same time. And it's just like the most obscure noises. It's, all, it's just so all over the place. And then they're like, this is why nobody does this live. It was like, <laughs> it was really awesome. It's really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, oh man, what's this thing? Jacob Collier, he had a solution. He, this is like a genius musician where mm -hmm. if you just detected the latency that you could actually just get behind the beat a little bit. It was like, Jacob, nobody, can do that you're the only person on the planet that can yeah. actually account within your own head for the latency that's actually nuts. The video i was the only i was like watching the video like about to take notes like oh he figured it out no it's just you have to be a genius <laughs> yeah you have to have the brain already <laughs> like, thanks thanks a lot thanks weird uh, rap, dude. that's, um, that's hilarious i have to look that up after that's really funny um well, okay, so you, obviously COVID happened. You still put the record out anyway. How is promoting it? Is it weird? Like, have you gone on Instagram Live and, and done that to try to promote the album? Like, what, what do you have going on as far as that goes? Yeah, we did a, we did a live stream um, back in, man, when was that? Was that November? Did a live stream then. We do, like, covers from time to time just to, like, throw stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we working with a publicity uh, person and, and been, you know, really trying to go after blogs and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, it's been pretty good. We've, we're really happy with the success of everything on YouTube for a band that didn't exist basically, you know, six months ago, aside from, you know, our local scene, we've been really getting a lot of traction on YouTube, um, did all right on Spotify. So we're feeling really like encouraged by how it went. Um, mm -hmm. And feeling like it's a it's an enormously like successful uh, you know base upon which to build uh, mm -hmm. a foundation. So what we've kind of resigned ourselves to do is just not stop making music. So we're right now we're doing another song you know all, again all over Zoom, passing it back and forth. Super excited about it, Scott. Just it's fun. It's fun because like iteration upon iteration, it, it can change so much because you're not in the same space together. So. I handed it to Scott and wasn't, I had no idea what to expect back. And when I got it back, I mean, it didn't, it was recognizable, but it would change so much. There was so much to listen to that. And it was almost like to, over the course of a songwriting session, you'll gradually improve the song, but mm -hmm. Scott took it from here to like here <laughs> in, one, in one pass. So I was, you know, I'm sure it took him forever, but I didn't experience that time. So, and now I'm excited to like bring it, send it back to him again. And, um, 
So we just want to start keep putting out music. So we're going to try to put out as much music as possible in 2021 um, and just do as much, you know, making music uh, as possible. So as many live streams and when we can actually play, as things open back up, we'll, we'll be out there playing as much as we possibly can. That's amazing. I love the, the Billie Eilish cover you guys did. Oh, thanks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about covers. What other what other songs have you covered and how did you go about choosing these songs? Well, Billie Eilish was really Scott's idea. He was hearing, he heard it very much like I, he heard a different harmony, not much, you know, different than what it was, but he heard something there, but he also just felt like my voice would, would do well with her style right. singing, especially mm -hmm. with her breathy kind of sort of lower, lower timbre of her voice, mm -hmm. uh, which I was like, oh, God, I'm so excited to sing that song. So that was really <laughs> Scott's idea. And we have, we have so many covers that we know because we play in different bar bands and different, you know, Scott plays in these really high-end wedding bands from time to time. So like, there's so many covers that we know. I think now what we're really trying to do is hone in on what a cover would say about us, about our band, why we, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we're, Billie Eilish was the first one. We did, we've also done Frank Ocean's um, Ivy. Oh, sick, we okay. We haven't put that one out yet, but um, you, you which we want to put out songs that really say something about us, not to just, you know, kind of throw out a random cover. Um, right. Or like find if a new song comes out, a new pop song comes out, we're not necessarily just going to hop on a bandwagon. We, we're, we want to grab songs that really like say something about who we are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, more covers to come. I love it. That's awesome. Scott, Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. I'm personally not a, not a huge fan of the, like the, the style of cover where it's like, Okay, you've heard Justin Bieber. Sorry, what about me playing on an acoustic guitar? <laughs> right. Yeah, I know Justin Bieber does a great version of it, but wait till you hear mine. <laughs> I'm gonna play it exactly the same. I'm gonna attempt to achieve exactly the same thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I know the Billie Eilish cover is amazing. It's that doesn't. I mean, you could tell it's a song, but it's not the the same yeah it doesn't sound anything like it so to speak if that makes sense <laughs> we, we borrowed some things we broke some things we you know <laughs> we added a like a jazz solo in the middle or right um so but yeah i mean we, we definitely wanted to have a hat tip to phineas's production because mm -hmm. the guy's he's amazing and uh we did we you know we wanted to keep the melody the same because it's just brilliant and we even added some of the same harmonies but like we really did also want to put our own you know spin on it Mm -hmm. very cool and thank you guys so much for doing this i really appreciate it and thanks for being so flexible to reschedule and and all that um i have one more question for you guys i want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists scott you got any i, I have some things to say but um yeah i would i would just say uh, my just get out there and do it is a big one, but just like, yeah, just be dedicated to what you do and be willing to, if it's what you love to do. It's, I, I can say a million cliche things, but it's mostly because I do believe them. It's like you heard, um, like if you, if you love something, you'll never work a day in your life. It's like, well that like with music to get to where you want to go, you like 40 hours a week may not even cut it. You really have to like put in time into it and really, and because you care about it, you're not going to feel like it's a ton of time, but it's that's important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, uh, and I mean that's that goes without saying is it's it's a lot of work to actually hone your craft. But I, I feel like one thing I can say to people that actually are 
have, you know, if they were to think they have, they've honed their craft and they're at the point now where they're thinking about actually doing what we're trying to do, which is not just write songs and sing them. It's so much more than that. You know, obviously, if, as you talked, we spoke about before, I do all the graphics for our band, thinking about uh, of, of what do you want to look like? What do you want people to see when they uh, go to your Instagram or your Facebook or come to a show? What, what are your posters going to look like? Um, having a sense of what you're mar how you're going to market yourself. There's just so much to think about when it comes to uh, beyond just, you know, if you're going to be an artist or be a band, there's more to it than just singing and playing and writing. You've got to consider the other aspects of it and um, start to think about those things as early as possible. It's always tough to like, you know, with, with, with a band that's out there, it's, they're playing a ton, they're putting in the work that way, but they don't have any idea. They don't have a poster. They don't have a logo. They don't have a, uh, you know, a, a, a proper Instagram or social media following. All of those things are so important because it's just a different music industry. You can't just say, sell records, right? You've got you've to be selling merch. You've got to be trying to get syncs. You've got to have a look and a feel. So I've been sort of mentoring an artist right now where she's really, really talented, but she doesn't have a, a sense for those things yet. So I'm trying to sort of mentor her into really considering those things just as much as she considers her practicing her, her voice and uh, you know her, her guitar playing and all of that. So you know, just really consider all the 360 degree view of what it means to be an artist. That would be my my suggestion. I love that. Thank you guys so much. And it's so interesting now with with like you're talking about streams and technology. Like now everybody knows exactly how many times that song's been played. Like there's no it's there's no smoke and mirrors really anymore. It's like okay, this band has 100,000 streams on this song. Okay, not, we. you know, there's, I feel like for labels, there's not much more, the, the, the developing, developing other artists really isn't there anymore, unfortunately. For you have to do it yourself 100%. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, when we were talking about our, um, you know, our, our partner, and I, I feel like I could name him, right? His name's Dave Tortorello. He's our, he, we call him our executive producer. <laughs> um, you know, he allowed us to kind of make our own team. And I mean, there's, there's labels out there that kind of do that. I forget what they're called, 36 Tigers or 30, 30 Tigers down in Nashville. It's kind of an a la carte thing where you, you know, they, there's a certain amount of funding, but you kind of assemble your own team. We kind of got to do that. And um, that was really cool. And it, and it gave us an opportunity to really see how the soup was made in a lot of ways. And uh, going forward, it's, we just learned so much, even on, on outside how much we've learned about production and songwriting and all of that. We also learned about, you know, all of the other ancillary things that you need to know about, about the marketing, even Facebook and, and Google ad analytics and all of that, Google ads and stuff, uh, whatever else. We, we, we kind of had our finger in everything. So we, we kind of know more about it now. So going forward, we have to you know, move forward with that. Now.